Praise the Lord. It's such an honor for us to be able to gather together, to be able to bring the service to those of you that can't be with us today. I know you miss, miss being here, but that's only half the story. We sure miss you being here, too. We feel good that we're able to be here, but we certainly feel sad for those of you who came because I know people who love God, it's in your heart to be able to go to church. Prophets taught us that if God is in your heart, He can't wait for them doors to open. So the doors are opened, and we've got a handful of brothers that you're to help us to be able to bring the service to you today. So may God help us during this time, and I believe that He will. I'd like to read, if you'd stand with me, brothers, in uh, Psalms. 27 this morning, and we want to read uh, Psalms 27, begin verse 1 through verses 5. There's a very beautiful scripture we know, and it's, uh, it's one, the very unusual one that Brother Branham used for the rapture, which is uh, really extraordinary, considering that most people would never think that there's anything in this that would pertain to the rapture. Psalms 27, 1, a psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord." And that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. From the time of trouble, isn't it strange? David, in verse 1, he mentions about fear and afraid. In verse 2, he mentions about enemies and foes. In verse 3, fear and a host, war, rise against me. In verse 4, he comes to the ultimatum of why he will not be afraid. He goes by his desire. In verse 5, he ends it up, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. There must be a reason to be hid. In the secret of his tabernacle, shall he hide me? He shall set me upon a rock. Let's just bow our heads together, if you would. Whatever your needs are there in your home today, I know we have folks that are streaming from different parts of the world, our local assembly as well, and other churches that don't have streaming capability. The Lord knows wherever one of us are today. Maybe some of you, you've lost your job or you're on furlough and you've got so many things you just don't know, uncertainties. But be mindful that the Lord Jesus knows where you are. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, as we Come before you today, Lord, with thanksgiving in our heart and gratitude, Lord Jesus, for your keeping power. We thank you, Lord, that the grace of God has been here to help us. And Father, we want to bring your children all over the world before you today. Lord, this week, as I've heard from different parts of Africa and different parts of the world and people that are suffering because of this coronavirus Many of them, Lord, they live from day to day. They go out and work and get their wage and they get their food for tomorrow. And I pray, Father, for your children around the world that you'd be mindful of us, Lord. Dear Jesus, would you reach down and help your children, no matter what they're going through right now. Father, we ask today in the name of Jesus that fear would be able to leave our hearts, our homes. Dear Jesus, we're so thankful that we have you that we can confide in. 
Help us today, Lord, as we endeavor to bring something from the word that would be a strength and encouragement to your people. Help me now, Father, I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, brothers. You can be seated. <clears throat> many, many people spoke about the rapture, uh, of course, prior to Brother Branham ever coming upon the earth. It was a concept that was believed that from the things, the examples of the Old Testament, even things that were said in the New Testament, that there would be a, an elected body, a selected group of people that God would allow to escape what had been identified as the tribulation period. Most of them, though, if they was going to be able to base their, their doctrine on the escaping, they would go to Luke 21, 36, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 1 Corinthians 15, and they would read from there as far as something that would be able to be a background for the rapture. But yet, how different Brother Branham was, and this is what I want to speak to you this morning on background for the rapture, in his approach to the rapture. Now, it wouldn't seem that Psalm 27 would be fitting for the rapture. All but when we look at it in the light that the end time message brings to us, it brings it in much more clarity. Let me read this to you from paragraph 29 of the rapture message. He said, now, to read for some background. We read this 25th Psalm, I mean, I beg your pardon, the 27th Psalm, verses 1 to 5. Now, notice his, the, the term that he coins on this. He said to read for some background. Now, listen to the meaning of the word background of what it means. The area or scenery behind the main object of contemplation. The area or scenery behind the main object of contemplation, the circumstances or situation prevailing at a particular time or underlying a particular event. Amen. Well, I could say amen and we could be dismissed right now. Now, the terms that Brother Branham uses would be so simple and so easy to overlook unless we would really give thought under the direction of the Holy Ghost to see why would he choose this to be used as a background. And then you take the meaning of the word, the area or scenery behind the main object of contemplation. So when Brother Branham preaches this then, in Yuma, Arizona, the object of contemplation is what? It is the rapture. The thing that people have longed for for hundreds and even thousands of years. But yet, it was not, as I said, 1 Thessalonians 4, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise, 1 Corinthians 15. Why wouldn't he go there? But when you think about it, those passages of Scripture did not give an area of contemplation that would describe the conditions of the end time. So even the word that he used, he said, now for some background. And yet it would seem as if so whenever he read that. I imagine that the preachers that were sitting there, and maybe even some of the laity, whenever Brother Branham announced this, that he was going to read this, and then said, my subject is the rapture. 
They probably thought, what in the world, what scriptures would you read for the rapture? But the term that brings it all together is the term that he used called background. Now let me read it again so you'll be sure to get it. The area or scenery behind the main object of contemplation, the circumstances or situation prevailing at a particular time or underlying a particular event. Now we believe there will be a rapture, do we not? We believe that we are a people of God that are already partaking of the rapture, being called up by revelation in the word of God for the hour, and just waiting for our bodies to catch up. So there's going to be then elements or events that must be prior to the rapture. Let me also read you this from the Philadelphian Church Age in the Church Age book. We don't need to comment on the thought that he's coming quickly. We know that he is because we're in the end of the last days, aren't we? And it goes on to say, hold fast what you have, that no man take your crown. But now listen how he describes this. It is in the midst of a time of great trouble that Jesus comes. In the midst of a time of great trouble that Jesus comes. Now notice this is the rapture because he lets us know that with this coming, there is a resurrection. Now, we know that as far as the majority of theologians that go in the world, they're preaching a great revival is going to come and a great shaking is going to come. My, the church is going to be closer to God than it's ever been. And we're going to have more money and more wealth and on and on and on. But we, we've not preached that and believed that for years and years. And we believe that it was going to be in a time of great trouble. I believe what we're going to now has made that more vividly clear to us, has it not? We never thought that we'd get to a spot to where we would walk in our, our grocery stores and we would look down through there and see the shelves empty of food staples and things that you could buy just two weeks ago. You could buy as many as you want. We never thought it would be a time to where we'd gather together and there'd be 10 or 11 brothers here and all the rest of you saints sitting at home with a yearning in your heart. We never saw it be a time to where that you'd have to keep six feet away from people and not even shake one another's hands. I wonder if this is not the beginning uh, leading right up to the end of sorrows myself. Now, well, what is this going to lead to? None of us, of course, ultimately know. But we know that from the background of what he chose, he was giving us an insight without saying it. Now, he was not coming out. Now, listen, you people that's going to be in the bride. In the last days, it's going to be this and this and this. But the scenario was painted to us by the setting of Psalms 27. Now, Psalms 27 is a very great psalm, beloved psalm. I mean, know how that God does things in that he's able to capture certain verses of Scripture and to be able to catapult an idea of what he wants to say. And he captures them and enlightens those few verses and he has the writer to be able to write it down and that it lays there for years and years and years until the time arrives now we've looked at this before we've talked about it before but I believe it's more relevant today than any time in our lives 
Now, knowing then that David had all kinds of problems himself. He had all kinds of difficulties. So let's take this again if we can in verse 1. A psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Now, this is the first place in the entirety of the canon of Scripture that God is referred to as light. In the New Testament, we could see it that they had clear understanding of what he was. But this is actually the first time in the Old Testament that it was referred to the Lord as being light. And yet he says he is the source of my illumination. He is my light. He is my life. And darkness was viewed then as it is today as a time of heaviness and sorrow and difficulty. But David is going to lead us up to a spot to say that the Lord is my help even when I'm down, even when I'm weary, even when things are going on that's really, really bad. And remember if a man could say this without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I believe we ought to be able to say it in the age we're living in. So darkness was an emblem of distress and an emblem of sorrow and an emblem of heaviness. We know how that even when Brother Branham would call people out and by discernment, he would see a dark spirit hanging over him. And I read this week where he called a woman out and told her, said, you've got a sad spirit hanging around you. It's because that your husband has died and you've been weeping and mourning over your husband and this sad spirit and he identified it as a spirit of darkness so David said the opposite of the darkness I'm sure even the brothers that are here today we we can all testify and say that we felt a heaviness we felt a difficulty a strain have we not brothers that's around our lives our everyday lives we come to church and I guarantee you they're happy to be here but they come with mixed feelings because they had to leave their wives or their moms and dads or their children at home and they said well have a good service and they said well we will as I did when I walked out the door I was under anticipation but I was also sad knowing I'd have to leave Carol at home and would have to leave all the rest at home so in the time of darkness it depends on what we will do with the darkness if we will focus on the darkness and say well it's a sad time that's right we all know that already it's a difficult time we all know that too but I believe there's a lot in the midst of darkness if we will let the Lord be our light. The government is not our light. I thank God for the medical science, what they can do in the time of trouble, but we already know Jesus is our keeper, not science. That's right. Thank God for vaccines. Thank God for all these sort of things. But my faith is not in them. My faith is in the Lord Jesus. That's right. I don't want to wait till they get a vaccine. I'm going to keep asking God, vaccinate me right now with the Holy Ghost. It might be a year before they get one, but I'm claiming the protection of God for myself, for our family for our children is that right and yet David said the Lord is my light and he is my salvation now what I find to be a parallel during this time is that David himself was also called the light of Israel now notice this that brother Branham does not start in verse 2 but he actually starts in verse 1 so I think there's something in verse 1 that would be a background of the pre-rapture people and the state that they're going to be in before they leave the world now it's one thing to say that the Lord is your light it's another thing for you actually to become the light 
too. Now David was not only referring to say, well, God is my light and God is this and God is that. But David had become such an instrument of the word of God in his day that the Bible actually calls David the light of his people. Notice this in 2 Samuel 21, 17. And Abishai, the son of Zerah, succored him or saved him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Now David was in the time of battle and this Philistine almost wiped David out. So this man saw him and he was able to get David. Then the men of David swear unto him saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. Now look here, David had actually become in such harmony with God that the people looked to him as a leader of reflecting the very light of God. Does not it answer to what Jesus said in the New Testament that ye are the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill? That's exactly what he wants us to be in troublesome times. I believe the Lord wants us, men, you men that are in your homes, God wants you men to be the leader of your home. He wants you to be able to be a stability and a strength in this time. You find your children afraid, meet with them, pray with them. You find your wife in fear, meet with them. Come on men, let us rise to the challenge of the hour. Let us servants of God rise to the challenge of the hour for our people. For our people are looking to us in this time of trouble. They are looking to us in this time of stress. And may I say to those sheep of this fold, may I point you today not to a germ warfare. May I not point you to a vaccine down the road. But may I point you to the power of Almighty God. Will we refuse those things? Of course not. If they prove them they're beneficial to us, then we will accept them and be gratitude. We're grateful for that in our hearts. But today my faith is not in medical science. My faith is in the power of the resurrected Lord Jesus. And I want to point you today, no matter what you're facing, maybe you're facing financial things because of this, but let me remind you, my God says, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Or you say, Brother Donnie, we're about to run out of food and we'll run out of this. My God can still move. I met the widow woman years ago over in India and God was absolutely doing the same thing for her that he done in the Old Testament. When the little woman didn't have no meal and I was right there and met the sister and she had no meal in her house or no oil in her house and week after week after week God kept sustaining her if you need gas and you ain't got it if you got enough faith you can pour water in your tank lay your hands on your car remember I preached this to you years ago we never thought it come upon us I believe our God is mindful of us no matter what we go through and the church said all those of you that home, I can't hear you, but y'all said just going to be amen and two or something. I believe you. Now, once you notice that David, it wasn't like that David closed his eyes to the circumstances that were around him or that he looked, you know, foolishly, as I said Wednesday night. I believe that God wants us to do certain things. And we know that Brother Branham was one that did not compromise with the government. And let me say again that if I felt like that this was something against the church, I'd be one of the first ones out there. My, my, I would say, let's come to 
the church, the government ain't shutting us down. But I personally do not see that that's what this is. But I also know that the Word of God teaches us to render unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. As a matter of fact, Brother Brenham tells us in the rising of the sun, also choosing of the bride, that when he was going overseas, he just got some shots in his arm. That was for yellow fever and other vaccinations. And he said that he had to have them because the government required him to get them. And he quoted the scripture, render unto Caesar what belongs unto Caesar, but render unto God what belongs to God. So we're not compromising here today by having 10 brothers here. We're doing what they've asked us to do to keep from spreading this. First of all, I don't want none of our people to get it. Neither do I want us being carriers to get it to anybody else, right? So we're trying to do the best that we know, work within the confines of what they've given us, but ultimately our faith is in the power of the Lord. In that, we do not look around and say, oh, there's no such a thing as a coronavirus. Oh, it ain't going to bother me. I'm going to go around and shake everybody's hands. What would you like for me to say at your funeral? God don't expect us to be foolish friends. Wash your hands. Do the proper things. You realize that many of them said years and years ago that Jack Cole, the reason that he come down with his death was because Jack Cole would pray with all kinds of people. And he would go after church and go sit down and eat a big steak because he loves steak. And he'd go straight from the meetings. Never wash his hands. Never do any of that. And they felt like that he probably contacted the disease which took his life by doing such. Now is that faith? No, that is not faith. Faith obeys the principles of the Word of God. So it wasn't like that David looked around. Oh, there's nothing going on. There's no troubles going on. David said, sure, there's problems and there's troubles. And I'm going to do the best that I can. But I'm going to look to God with all of my heart. Now, David actually had an ability that faith people have. And that is that they're able to view with their natural eye the circumstances around them. But they have a spiritual insight on the inside which enlightens them to heaven's point of view. Heaven's point of view opens up a spectrum that the natural man just does not see. And it helps the converted child of God to be able to look. If the bubonic plague was in the time of the medieval ages and different plagues have come through, the Spanish flu, all this coming around and there were saints of God involved in every one of them. They were able to have the earthly view. Abraham never got up and said, I'm not an old man. Well, Sarah, you're not an old woman. You just think you are. You just look old and your skin's just all wrinkled. It's not age. And I'm not really old. I'm not old. That's absolute foolishness. Abraham looked at the promise of God, but he didn't say this old part's going to hinder me. He said, I'm an old man, but God's fixing to change me. Sarah's an old woman and God's fixing to change her. Well, we look that there are things around us that are frightening. Let's just all be honest. If anybody wants to sneeze on us in the grocery store, we'd clean out the, the produce aisle. We'd walk and we'd mark out of there. My goodness, it'd be like a stampede of cattle. Well, come on, don't sit there and look spiritual. Because there's something about it. It alarms us. It makes our senses heightened and it enlightens our fears, which we hate really. But it's something that we ought to be able to be aware of. But we should not let it dominate our lives. We should not go to bed with fear and raise with fear and eat our lunch with fear. But get up with faith. Eat your lunch in faith. Go to bed at faith. Knowing that God is going to bring us through these times. Is that right? 
Now, David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. That is, it is he that saves me and delivers me. I do not do it myself. Now, then he comes with these words, whom shall I fear? So there must have been something in the background of what David was going through at this time that would have caused an element of fear to arise. And he'd said, well, whom shall I fear? There must have been something going on. Now, remember, this is the background for the rapture. This is the background. Now, am I saying that this coronavirus is the background and that we're going to go into the rapture after this is over? No, but it just makes you wonder of the things that this will lead to the culmination. Will our nation ever recover? I doubt it. Will the world ever recover? I doubt it. Financially, we're going to be put in such a spot. I don't see how we can ever recover. This may be the very beginning of the end of the tumbling down of all things. If it is, I say, come Lord Jesus. If it is, this is what we've waited for. This is what we've prayed for. And if it is, may we all be ready. Now you realize already in a time like this, people start getting religious and they start praying. I read just one day this week that many of these online ministries and many big television ministries have had reports of thousands, thousands of people who've been contacting them and saying during this coronavirus, they've given their heart to God. Now in one sense of the word, I rejoice. But in another sense of the word, it makes you wonder, is it the last cry of the foolish virgin? Give us all, all, give us all, give us all. We know how special the American people are because they got a religious background. And when trouble comes, when war comes, what does America do? They get religious. Many of our denominational pastors, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Catholic priests, Baptists, Methodists, many of them are joining and meeting in different parts of America and calling a solemn assembly of fasting and praying, even on the internet. My goodness, some of them probably in fact since they first got saved. And what's it doing? It's bringing an element of fear. But what will happen when the coronavirus goes through? For most of them, they'll go right back to where they were. But don't let that happen to us. If God brings you a renewing and a refreshing, bring it back to church with you. Bring it back to the house of God and let it be something that will last in your life. Because this might be the very beginning of the end of the going away of the people of God. Notice David says in the Lord is my light. He is my salvation. He says, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. The support of my life. He is where I get my inner resource to help me go through what I go through in, in life. I, I can't do it on my own. I can't be able to meet these things when I'm so crushed by the problems and the difficulties of life. The Lord is my strength. Oh, I can say amen to that. Again, in the same verse, he says, of whom shall I be afraid? Why would he say, whom shall I fear and whom shall I be afraid in the very same verse unless there was all kinds of things going around him that was causing the man to fear? Remember, this is the background for the rapture. Oh, I wonder if some of us haven't got a little bit soft and a little bit complacent around the message. Well, I'm going to go ahead and preach. I wonder how many of us in the Happy Valley 
haven't got to kind of pull him back a little bit. We've got more than we've ever had before. Got a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more comfortable. Well, praise the Lord. And we don't read our Bible like we should. And church has not really been as important as it should have been to us. Praise be to God. Notice in verse 2. When the wicked, even mine enemies, my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. You imagine what a hatred that these people had for David, that he was viewed upon as if a bird of prey would be searching for a rabbit, or a coyote, or a wolf, or a jackal would be looking for an innocent animal by which they could portray upon. And David said, this is the way my enemies have looked upon me. They have looked upon me with such hate. They have looked upon me with such malignant, oh, it was just a malignant hatred. They looked upon me and they laid a snare for me. They laid a trap for me. But my God was with me. And when they got so close, right when they felt like the very day the trap was going to be snared and it was going to be laid, what happened? My God come on the scene. And my God caused my enemies to stumble and fall. I don't know what the outcome of America will be after this or the world, but I do know the outcome of the bride hasn't changed. The outcome of the elect is still what God ordained it to be. She's his sweetheart, and she will leave this world in a rapture. Oh my, David said those malignant people, those wicked, vain, evildoers, they come up to eat my flesh. And when they got so close, they stumbled and fell. Let, let me say today, not only to our enemies in the natural, but let me say to our number one enemy. One day he will lay old age. He will lay all these things upon us. And whenever he thinks I've got them in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, Death will stumble at our feet. Our mortality, hallelujah, will be changed by the power of God when the last enemy, which is death, shall bow before the feet of the bride of Jesus Christ around the world. Not just the Lord Jesus, not one man Enoch, but around the world, death will bow at the feet of the bride and he will stumble. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Notice in verse 3, this man must have been so peculiar and so strange in his perspective of God's love toward him. You can tell by the way that he writes and he speaks. He felt like he was one of God's pets. He couldn't answer for anybody else. They can answer for what they view. He was just talking about him and God. Verse 3. Though an host should encamp against me, not me and my army, me and my soldiers, me and all my sons, but me. Though a host 
should encamp against me. Remember the background for the rapture. The conditionings, the conditions describing something, an event that's going to take place. The host should encamp against me. They don't just come and pass by. How you doing? But they set up camp. I'm sure every one of us have been there. We felt like there's a whole host of devils that was camped all around us. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I might not be able to run them off, but I can sing, shout, jump, holler, speak in tongues, quote the word, and make a miserable neighbor for them. So if they want to camp around, go right ahead. You're fixing to see a holy roller like you ain't never seen in your life. You ain't stopping from me from doing what I normally do, devil. So if you want to try to live next door to me, guess what? You're going to get used to hearing somebody talk in tongues. You're going to get used to hearing somebody shout and praise God and worship God no matter what you tell them. So I'm fixing to make you miserable. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart, my heart, Notice it separates his heart from his flesh. My heart shall not fear. He didn't say his flesh wouldn't get all tore up. Though war should rise against me, an army against one man. So maybe he's out in the wilderness on a hunting trip, camping. Took his food, water, weapons, contemplating about God, just loving the Lord. Went to bed that night, just worshiping God. Got up the next morning, went outside, throwing water up in his face, and taking his towel, and drying his head. Oh, good night. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Whoa. Everywhere he looks, the enemy all around him. A man of faith can say, do you know what you've just done? You have just signed your death warrant. Now a coward will start packing up his stuff or burrowing in the ground like a groundhog. Burrowing and hiding and running and doing whatever he can do. But a man in faith can stand there and say, I'm on a trip with my Lord. How dare you interrupt my fellowship with the king? Hallelujah. I have been called aside with a sabbatical with the king. How dare you, you army of the enemy, to come down and interrupt my fellowship with God. I believe we as the people of God, it's past time that we realize we have holy ground. We have holy ground. I ain't talking about this church. I ain't talking about where your house sits. I'm talking about the ground purchased for us by the Lord Jesus. It is our intimate place of fellowship. It is. It belongs to us and him, not us and him and a bunch of devils. And the only reason the devil stays much time on our property is because we refuse to boot him off and get rid of him. And say, devil, I tell you one thing, this is, there ain't enough room in here for me and you and Jesus, so you're leaving. David said, though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war, war shall rise against me.
in this one thing would I be confident. I've got a big bank account. My business is really good now. I belong to this church. I'm a good man. I play tapes every day. There's one thing I'm confident in. And one thing I can base my ability to either rise or fall. One thing. And verse 4 is the answer. One thing have I desired of the Lord. This is why I know if a host encamps against me, if a war is declared against me, I have hope and confidence in one thing. And it's not in me. It's not in my great strength. It's not in my ability to play a harp. It's not because the oil run down my head. It's in one thing. There's one thing I have desired of the Lord. Can you imagine now? What if God would place every one of us present, those that are streaming, and no matter what you go through in life, you come back and God said, I'll give you one thing to use against the enemy. What would you choose? Could you choose your own desire from your soul and say, I will meet all hell with who I am, what I am, because of the I am. I know who I am because there's one thing I've desired. It was not to be back in Saul's house. It was not to be the greatest king by the way on the earth. It was not to be the greatest songwriter or the greatest harp player. It was to dwell in the house of the Lord. Now remember the house of the Lord was at this time a tent which David had brought up. It had been in Shiloh for many, many years. But David wanted to bring it up to the house of the Lord because the people quit seeking after the leadership of God, the Ark of the Covenant, in the days of Saul. It was not Solomon's temple. It was not a great, beautiful place. A place of skins. But David was prohibited to go inside the Holy of Holies. But he so desired in his heart. And he says, I'll face all of this. By my desire, I don't want to be a drunkard. I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to be a whoremonger. I don't want to be an adulterer. I don't want to be any of that. I will base my outcome on this one thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord. He never asked God, God, give me wealth. God, give me women. God, give me money. God, give me chariots. God, give me that. But he said, oh, God. Take not away thy Holy Spirit from me. Cleanse me, Lord, with hyssop, and I shall be clean. The ultimate, oh, don't you see? He had a seed of God. Lord, it's a good thing he did live in the New Testament. My, my, if that man had the Holy Ghost, he'd tear up every church he went to. The way he loved God in the Old Testament, he had the seed of God, but he didn't have the water on it. You know, we sat today with the seed of God and the water of the Holy Ghost. And David said, oh, God. You're my refuge. Oh God, I want more, I want more. And he looked. Oh, oh, them priests. Wow, 
must be like. Maybe I must or one of them would come out and he say, What's it like when you go in there? Oh, King David, it is so awesome to be able to go in the church and sit down and feel the presence of God and see the smoke as it hangs there between the cherubims. Oh, David said, Oh, that I could live in the house of God. I wouldn't want to just come and go, come and go. I wish I could just move in there. I wish I could live there. Can you imagine? He desired what we have. We have moved into the house of God. One thing have I desired of the Lord. But David had enough sense to know the desire is absolutely a complete failure without you seeking after it and putting forth an effort to make it yours. Oh, I want this, and I want that, and I want a closer walk with God. Folks tell me that all the time. Well, I want to be closer to God. They don't read the Bible no more, don't pray no more. A closer walk with God is a very simple thing. Pray and read your Bible every day. Oh, I want a closer walk with God. That's not going to be granted just because me or some other preacher lays our hands on you. God, we can pray for you that God will give you strength, but it's going to be up to you to seek that yourself. One thing that I desire of the Lord, that will I seek after. This is it right here. Oh, I want all the money. I want the most beautiful women in the world. I want them to be my wives. I want the most beautiful castle. I want the... That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Not win battles. Not, Lord, would you mind if my psalms would make the top 100... Would you care, Lord, if you, could I be the greatest songwriter in Israel? Could I be the greatest harpist? He had a lot of them gifts too, but that wasn't his desire. You see, many people take their work for God, and they think that's their walk for God. Your work and your walk are not the same things. That's why preachers can backslide in the pulpit preaching, because they keep up their work, but their own walk deteriorates. Same with musicians, song leaders, deacons, and so on. God not only requires us to work for Him, but to walk with Him. One thing have I desired of the Lord. Remember now, this is the background for the rapture. Believe it or not, I'm reading to you today every person who will go in the rapture. This will be the epitome of their lives. Those who could come to church three times a week, well, they really don't deem it necessary. They'll not be in the rapture. You know why? They're not seeking the Lord with all their heart. Well, I come when I think I need to. It's not your choice. That's up to Him. He's the one who dictates that to us. Well, I, you know, I live right every now and then. I know it's not, it's not our call. It's His call. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty. Notice now what he wants to see. He wants to come into the household of God, not just a place of public worship, but he's longing to be a part of the family. To behold the beauty, and the word beauty rendered here means pleasantness. Splendor. 
Oh, praise God. The pleasantness of God. I want to behold His pleasantness. His beauty of His character. I want to know Him in a better way. Hey, I listened to tapes. I've been doing it this week. I've been caring. But Brother Donnie, what have you been doing since we ain't been having church? Same thing I always do. Studying, praying, listening to tapes, just like I'm preaching three times a week. Oh, yeah, I can't wait till we get back because I got a lot of stuff to talk about, so I'm going to be ready for it. I don't want to just laze around right now and try to catch up. No, I'm going to do it right now. It's what I do. It's who I am. I pray. I read. I study. I love God. I love Him whether I'm in church or out of church. Amen? And I know some of y'all exactly the same way. This is the background for the rapture. He's catching the very heart of the bride being epitomized in one man's soul. God's saying, there's a man after my own heart. He loves me so much. He wants to be in my house. He wants to be in my court. And he said, that's my bride. She loves me so much. She yearns to be in my presence. Oh, I'm so glad today his presence is not just limited to this building. I've got so many texts, emails, things like that this week of people that was blessed by the service last Sunday when Brother Darrell preached. And then the service Wednesday night, people talking about in the living room how the presence of the Lord come down. Thank God for that. Thank God. We need that. We don't just need the word. Praise the Lord. We need the presence of God to come down and let the people know that he's their strength and he's their help. Notice this, he said, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So in the time of difficulty, I want to consult him. I'll tell you, friends, we're there right now. I want to be able to consult him. You see, what is he doing? He's living out in his own life and in his prayer, the very walk that Harry sang about a while ago about Enoch. Enoch left this testimony behind him that he pleased God. Amen. And he was not for God took. T-O-O-K. Took him. Which means to bring away or to get married. Praise be to God. Amen. Notice he says in verse 5. For in the time. Background for the rapture. Fear. Afraid. Enemies. Foes. War. For in the time of plenty, and in the time of blessings, and in the time of all, that's Laodicea, or it was a few weeks ago. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. Now we read this Wednesday night. In the time of trouble, he, I love this combination of he and me. Now look, brothers, I love all of y'all today, but it ain't him and us. Right now, it's him and me. And that's the way you've got to take this. Every one of you at home got to do the same way. Brother David, you're over in France streaming today. you got to do the same thing, brother, you, your wife, your children. Because the same God's mindful right there in France and Switzerland and different parts of the world, just like he is here with us, right? And it comes down to this basis, that it's not just you and your wife. It's not just you and your children. It's you and God. In the time of trouble, he shall hide why would you need to be hid in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his 
pavilion. Now the word pavilion, there's actually a booth. It's sukkos, which is the Hebrew word that they use for Feast of Tabernacles. So it was the secret place that the king would take his very private guests. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me. Notice where he's hiding you. He ain't leaving here and you and Laodicea and you're kind of hid from the world. Oh, I know that's a doctrine that a bunch of folks has got, but that's a lie according to the Bible. According to the Bible, he's going to take you to his pavilion. His pavilion is not Johnson City. His pavilion is not Laodicea. His pavilion is in another dimension. Well, you say, I'm already raptured. Well, this is the rapture I'm looking for. I'm looking for him to take me in the time of trouble out of this world into his pavilion in another dimension. Praise be to God. That's where the king abides. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Oh, praise God. In the times of trouble, in the times of distress, I believe. Now, maybe, maybe you think, Lord, well, what can I do, Brother Donnie, during this time? Steal away and pray. Don't take all your time filling your mind with movies and games and a bunch of nonsense. Let's come out on the other side of this thing closer to God, not farther away. Let's find ourselves, Lord, help me, forgive me, Lord, let me look at my life. Let me search everything about me, Lord God. Help me to be able to do it. And he'll say, oh, Donnie, I've been wanting to hide you. I've been wanting to hide you in the secret of my tabernacle. But you've been so busy. Somebody sent me a thing the other day about all this stuff going on. You can't work. You can't go here. You can't go there. You can't do this. You can't do that. Can we talk? And the bottom of it was God. God sending the message. You can't go to work now. You can't go here. You can't go there. Can you and I talk a little bit? Oh, God. Oh, hallelujah. He will hide me in the secret of his tabernacle, the most retired and private part of the palace. And those of you who said this, you know that they had secret passageways and entrances by which the king would go into. And when they built them, they built them with several getaways so the king, in the time of trouble, would be able to go down those secret passageways and get out. Oh, hallelujah. But those passages not only lead out, but they lead back in. Remember Song of Solomon chapter 2, when he found her standing there in the secret of the stairs. She was standing in the secret place of the stairs. It was the entrance way into the private apartment of the king. This is what the rapture is for, my brothers and sisters, to lead the bride out of here. But what kind of background would it be? Trouble, heartache, sickness, disease, peril. Oh, Lord God. Oh, Lord God. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret Of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he shall set me upon a rock. Psalms 18.2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I tell you, he pretty much covered about everything he could be, did he? Psalms 31, 3, thou art my rock and my fortress, therefore for thy name's sake lead me and guide me. Psalm 61, 2, from the end of the earth shall I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. 
Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 71.3, be thou my strong habitation, wherefore I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. What is a rock? A revelation. He says he'll hide me in the secret of his tabernacle. He'll protect me. And then the very last thing that he will do, glory to God, the very last thing he will do, remember the prophet read down to verse 5, he will set me upon a rock. Well, let's go down here and look in verse 6. And now, amen, after the revelation in the time of distress comes verse 6, which is the number of men. For now my head shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me when the enemy shall come in like a flood the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against it oh now we're not the only ones suffering we know that and we know that there's more trouble going on than just the bride but we know the bride has a birth pain different than the world Yesterday I was singing Brother Darrell and listening to Brother Brandon was talking about the birth pains. I thought, God, is that sort of what we're going through again? Another birth pain of a plague. And the earth, oh my, the earth and the, the, the people that are dying and many of them, their bodies that can't even go to funerals are cremating them. All the things that are going on is another birth pain of the end time. Is the millennium getting closer and closer? Another plague, another pestilence, another death. Oh my. But we know before those things can move into that full cycle, the bride's got to be lifted up from the earth. What's she waiting for? The prophet tells us in the rapture, the rapture message that the realm of faith is a revelation. And the bride is waiting for the revelation of the rapture. Now he's not talking about some doctrine that some man's going to come up with. But it's the spirit of God making the moment, making the moment and the time of the rapture so close at hand as Enoch was. It wasn't that Enoch lazed around every day and then the last day, oh, praise God, I'm going to get all straightened up. Hallelujah. Enoch walked with God on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, on and on and on and on until he walked right into the very climax of a body change. God's bride is waiting for the revelation. Oh, my, we know we've had so many raised up. Well, we've got the revelation of the rapture. And we've got it over here and we've got it over there. As soon as they say that, you know right there they don't have it. Because God is the only one that can happen and it'll happen around the earth in the same climax moment. Oh, praise God. And now shall mine head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. And what are you going to do when you're changed? Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises. You talking about a camp meeting time, Brother Louie. Oh, praise God in that rapture morning when the saints of God are changed. Hallelujah. Now shall my head be lifted up, he says, above mine enemies round about me. Oh, they was coming up to eat up my flesh. But the Spirit of God come in. Then will I offer sacrifices of joy. I don't mind telling you, I'm going to do that while I'm still here. Somebody sent me a little clip yesterday. I got it from a couple of different people. And it was from blacks, folks. Looked like two preachers coming down the aisle there and they had a whole bunch of people following. They was dancing wide open, said, this is us, and we get back to church. 
So you watch it and well, praise God. I don't want to wait to heaven. I don't want to wait to the rapture. I want to praise him right now. Don't we, brothers? Let's stand. Praise be to God. My friends, we're in a time of trouble, a time of great sickness. Everybody trying to watch, wash their hands. You know, you tell people COVID-19's around and they wash their hands and they go to the grocery store and they wash their milk and they wash their fruit and they... And I'm not, I'm not speaking against that now. You should do it because you never know who touched it. But you tell them Jesus is coming. Oh, I've heard that all my life. I don't want to be like that. I want to take this time to say, Lord, if there's anything in me that you see that's not like you, help me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord God. For in this will I be confident that we will come through this. One thing have I desired. And that will I seek after. With all of my heart. I've never asked him to let me be rich, famous, or important. Never. I've never asked him to help me be a big preacher, have a big church. Never asked him for nothing like that. But my desire since a little bitty boy has been, Lord, let me please you. I still have the same desire today, Brother Louis. One thing, Lord, let me please you. Whatever that is, whether it's big, small, little, medium size, that has no relevance to me at all. My most, my most important desire is to please the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you, a couple of Saturdays ago, whenever that thing hit me here in the pulpit, I wasn't scared of dying. I wasn't sure if I was dying. I wasn't sure what was going on. Just felt like a big ball of fire sort of right here in my back and went down both of my arms. I thought, well, if I'm going to die, I couldn't think of a better place to do it, right here in service of the Lord. But what a great feeling it was to realize if this is death, I'm ready. Amen. This is the most important thing in our lives. Let's bow our heads all over if you would. May God help each of us, those of us present, and so many more of you, our precious friends, that are streaming here today. If there's anything in your life that's not like the Lord, may God help you. You young people, you middle-aged, you older people, we know as far as this Disease is concerned. It's a greater threat to men and a greater threat to people over 60. So each of us, we want to make sure COVID-19 or no COVID-19, every day of our life, we're ready to meet the Lord Jesus. You'd like to be remembered today with your head bowed there in your home, your car, wherever you are. Brothers here, if you'd like to be remembered. Lord Jesus, Lord God, how many times we've read this psalm and we love it so much. But as I started reading it again this week, Lord, it just, it becomes so real to me in the time of trouble. And how many times David used the word fear and afraid and used overwhelming circumstances that was against him. And Lord, as I said, per se, this thing is not just aimed necessarily at the bride. But we know there's one class of people on this earth that the devil hates worse than anybody else. And that's your wife. So we believe if there's anybody he'd like to go after, it's her. Amen. Lord, been in contact with people around the world and hearing how your ministry, he's attacking them in so many ways. 
I pray for your ministry. I pray for your people. Lord, and then we not only want to just pray for your sweetheart, but we want to pray for the world. I want to pray for the foolish virgin, Lord. I want to pray for those that may even can yet be saved. God, have mercy on us. You said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, I'll hear from heaven. I'll heal their land. Lord God, we call upon your name today, Lord Jesus. Be merciful. When you were here, Lord Jesus, you walked among the sick and the afflicted, and you healed them because you loved them. We know that you are not the author of this, Father. May you be merciful to us, Lord. I pray for our health care workers around the world, God. They risk their lives, many of them. Dear God, to be out there in the front, to be able to face these things. God, be merciful to them. Lord Jesus, help our doctors, our people who are studying these things, Lord. Bring us relief. If your prophet would pray that they'd be able to find a cure for cancer. He thanked you, Lord, that Dr. Salk had been able to come up with a vaccine for polio. He did not stand up and blast it, tell the people not to take it. But he thanked God for the Salk vaccine. Lord God, intervene for us, would you, Jesus? We know you love humans so much. That if you gave us a promise that every, per- every person we prayed for with COVID-19, they'd be healed. Some people couldn't get here. Some people wouldn't come if they could. But Lord, you know how people are. Many of them won't look to preachers, but they'll go to a doctor. So your love for humanity is so great that you'll have preachers to lay hands on those who believe. And then for those who don't believe and can't have enough faith... You'll have doctors to come up with a cure. We thank you for your love, Lord. Help us, Jesus. God, I pray that you'd help our nation. Now we have the most cases in the entirety of the world. Right here in Washington County, Carter County, Unicoi. God, we pray for your mercy. Watch over your people, Father. Be with us these days, Lord, when we're having to do this social distancing. Lord, I pray that maybe some, they've been practicing social, practicing social distancing with you for some time. They've been keeping their distance between you and your house and your word. God, would you help them? You don't have a six-foot limit on us, Lord. But you said, draw now to me. And I'll draw now to you. Maybe they find themselves cold and indifferent, Lord. Maybe sinners. They hear this prayer, Lord God, may conviction strike your hearts right where they are, Father. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, may they put away their social distancing with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe they find that closeness. Oh, Lamb of God, I ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, may we come out of this, Father, on the other side with any social distancing that we have with you all done away with. May we be closer to you. May we love you more. May we be more determined than ever before, Father. We love you, Lord. Watch over us and keep us, Father. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Maybe you can come and sing for us a little bit, buddy. <clears throat> God bless you, saints. We love you so much. We miss you. I miss you with all my heart, and I love you. I want to be with you so much. And we'll, we'll just carry this on as long as we have to. We'll be gathering again here Wednesday night for the service, and we'll do it twice a week. God bless you. Pray for one another. Love one another. Praise the Lord. You enjoy the word this morning. Praise the Lord. Let's sing, let's sing this song this morning, if you will. Join in Psalms 3. Oh, thou, O Lord, heart a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. Yes, thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. Can you there be increased the trouble me? Oh, yes. Many are, are the demon spirits, spirits that rise against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for you in God. I cried unto
Many there be increased the trouble me. Oh, yeah. Many are the demon spirits right. that rise I against me. before we dismiss this morning we know this as brother Donnie preached to us our hope we know where it lies it's in the Lord let's sing that song brother Harry if you will all my hope is in Jesus praise the Lord trust this service has been a blessing to you I know we have been blessed here trust in your home you just had a revival this morning God bless you as we sing this song all my hope is in Jesus. Thank God our yesterday's gone and all my sins are forgiven and I've been washed by the blood.
Yesterday. 